There is a word from the Lord this morning. You know, the time that I have allotted here does not oftentimes give me the ability to deal with the entire text. So I want to encourage you that whenever your brother is here preaching, that you take the time and go ahead and read the entire text because I can't give you the complete story. And this is a great story, one for us to know and to understand. So we're going to be in the fifth chapter of John, and we're going to be reading for your hearing verses 1 through 8. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which was called in the Hebrew uh, Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whomever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity uh, for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool, but whenever the water is stirred up, while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. I'm going to be preaching from the subject, Keep Moving Forward. Keep Moving Forward. Walt Disney has a saying about Disney. He said, we don't look back for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things. Walt Disney, the head of a multi-billion dollar corporation, had been in business for some 52 years, and he said part of his success is that he don't spend a whole lot of time looking backwards. He's always looking forward to new things and opening up new opportunities. There's something in that for us, me and my brothers and my sisters. For Look, we make life harder than it has to be. The difficulty stopped when conversations become texting. Sex became a game. The word love fell out of context. Trust faded and honesty waned. Insecurity became a way of living. Jealousy became a habit. Being hurt started to feel natural, and running away from it all is our solution. Stop running. Face the issues. Fix the problem. Communicate, appreciate, and forgive, and love the people in your life who deserve it. See, sometimes life can hit hard. Sometimes we get knocked down. Uh, a lot of times we don't even see it coming. Sometimes it's a cheap shot. Sometimes it's a glancing blow. Uh, Sometimes it brings us to our knees. So what happens when you get hit like that? It doesn't matter how hard you get. It's whether or not you have the ability to get up and to find the strength to keep moving forward. It's all about continuing uh, uh, moving forward despite the obstacles that are in your life. We got to keep moving forward in this life. It's, the only, it's only when we move forward that we can ever accomplish what God has called us to. We can't stay where we are, nor can we go back. The only direction that we can go is forward. Yes, I, I know it. I hear you, Crossroad. Yes, it hurts. 
but it's the only way. If we want God to move and for us to grow, we cannot be afraid to keep on moving for what is before us. God wants to accomplish much more in our lives, but we need to keep moving forward in the Lord. And guess what, church, how blessed you are? It starts today. There are four things that generally impede our progress and are keeping us from moving forward. It is ignorance, it is unbelief, it is apathy, and it is sin. The good news is this morning, Brother Steve, we can deal with all of these enemies. We have the power. God has given us the power to overcome our enemy and our obstacles. When you get hit, church, do you stay down? Or do you reach down deep deep inside of you and pull up the courage to lift yourself back on your feet and keep moving forward? You know you got a choice, right? When we get hit, do you get up? There are seven principles I'd like to share with you this morning when you're faced with those kinds of obstacles. Forget regret. Regret is an emotion, a feeling of disappointment, along with a modest amount of shame and guilt. Leave your mistakes and your regret in the past. They don't define your value then nor now. We have all made mistakes. And by letting go of them, we can begin to live a life in the here and now. Crossroads, do me a favor this morning. Give yourself that gift. Forgive yourself. Keep moving forward. Isaiah 43 and 19 says this. For I am about to do a new thing. See, I've already begun. You don't see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wastelands. The Lord said, I know you're wandering in the wilderness. I know you've been struggling with the issues of life, but I am here to make paths for you in the midst of the wilderness. In the midst of your dry place, God is willing to create rivers of life. The second, my friend, is ask for help. You're not alone. It may feel that way sometimes, but there are many people who will extend their hand to help and lift you up. All you need to do is ask. They might be coworkers, they might be neighbors, pastors, church members. Sometimes we're afraid to ask because we don't believe we're worthy to receive the help. Hebrews 13 and 6 says this. So we have... So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. So I will fear, I will have no fear for what mere people do to me. Procrastination on the goals that matter. There are two primary choices in this life. You can accept conditions as they exist, or you can accept the responsibility for changing them. Isaiah says this in 41 and 10, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged because I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous, victorious right hand. Choosing to do nothing. You don't get a chance to choose how you're going to die or win. You can only decide how you're going to live right now. Every day is a new chance to change your perspective. 2 Timothy says this, 1 and 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. 
believe you're worthy, believe you are not worthy, whatever your goal, whatever your dreams, whatever your desires, you, and you are worthy to achieve them. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to your, your goals, the enemy will step up his attack. He will begin to put doubt in your mind, putting on the self-limiting tape, telling you you can't do it. Romans 8 and 28 says this, for we know all things, we know that all that God has, it, God causes everything to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Trust, trust the Lord, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Keep the faith. Faith is a strong belief in something without proof or evidence. At the end of the day, when you are weary from all of your efforts and your energy that you have expended and you are sore and you are tired from being hit hard so many times and yet your dreams have not been realized, faith is the thing that tells us to keep on going. Get up for tomorrow and keep moving forward in your faith. Church, honor it, cherish it. Faith will deliver you wherever God God wants you to be in your life. As we deal with the text this morning, we can see ourselves, in a sense, helpless, crippled, lame, lying at the pool of Bethesda this morning. We all need help. We all find ourselves paralyzed at times, unable to move forward and to do the things we ought to do and want to do. We find that we are lame and we don't live or walk out very well spiritually. Thank God that this story is included in the Bible to help us understand what God wants to do in our life through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so here it is in the text, my brother Tommy, here it is. Jesus shows up at Jerusalem. He comes there to observe one of the typical feasts that Jewish men are um, commissioned to attend. He goes to Jerusalem, but this time he's not there to just honor the traditions of man. He is there because there's a man at the pool of Bethesda that has an appointment, a divine appointment with Jesus that don't know it yet. And God is going to use these miracles to substantiate that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so here it is. I'm in the Bible, y'all. Listen, if you don't believe me, it's in the text, chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, ha sent me have eternal life. They will not be condemned for their sins, but they, will, they have already watched this pass from death unto life. Verse 24. And so here it is. Jesus is at the temple. He's at the north side of the temple where they keep the sheep uh, for the offering. They take care of the sheep. They give the sheep water all in this place. But now at the pool of Bethesda that is mentioned in this text is mentioned probably the upper pool in 2 Kings chapter 18 probably refers to the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda in the Arabic means house of mercy house of mercy. John gives us some additional details about the pool surrounding the temple. He said, you will find five colonies there. 
and that the pool of Bethesda is just outside of the temple. And the pool is literally, Bob, uh, uh, Tommy, two large uh, pools of water with a wide strip of land that lays between them, and the whole structure has been covered over by a porch to protect the lame uh, who seek refuge under the, the porches from the scorching sun. And so here it is that this pool has, has somehow gained some popularity. It, it is somehow turned out to be a place where folks who are lame, blind, and paralyzed come because they've heard something really special happens at the pool of Bethesda. They have told and understood, Brother Tommy, that there is something that when the pool begins to get stirred, that the first person in the pool somehow gets healed from all of their diseases. That's how the pool gets its popularity. And the reason it probably got that reputation is because of its close proximity to the temple. Are you with me? And so here it is that on the occasion that the pool would be stirred, it was really a myth. It was a fable. It was a folktale. It was a superstition. It wasn't a reality. It was intended to replace faith in God. I'm going to make it clear to you in a minute. And so as superstition would have it, uh, people would think that if I just got in the water when it was uh, 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 stirred up, it probably was a, a spring that welled up in the middle of the pool at irregular times. It might have been drainage from another pool, but nevertheless, it was a superstition. If you go back and examine the ancient text, you will not find in the ancient original text that verse 4 isn't in there. It's missing. See, let, okay, let me explain it to you, church. Let me give you a little, a little, a little quick Bible study, if you will. Um, the... Apostles, when they would dictate a message, they would dictate it to the scribe. And then the scribe would go about writing down every word that the apostle said. And then the scribe would then go into his quarters and he would review what he believed the apostle said. And then he would make some additional changes to the text as he saw fit. See, they didn't, they didn't do it like we do it today. If you submit a book to a publisher, a publisher will submit it to the editor. The editor will make suggested changes, give it back to the publisher, and the publisher would give it back to you. That ain't how it happened there. So verse 4 is a myth, is a fable, is a superstition, and it is meant to replace faith in God. Why is that important, Pastor? Because there are some of us who have fallen for the gimmick that there's some kind you can send off 1995 and get you a bottle of water and that's going to make your situation different. Some of us believe that you can get a rag that you can pay $10 for, get in the mail, and it's going to somehow change your illness and your disease. See, some of us today even still are believing in faith and myths and superstitions rather than having faith in God. Listen. So Jesus, on this day, visits the pool. He's prepared to perform a miracle to establish that he is greater than any human myth. And so John tells us that there was a man at the pool who had been waiting hopelessly for something to happen. 
He was hoping that there was somebody who had enough grace in their heart to help him into the pool. And every time the water was stirred, he didn't have the ability to get himself there because he had uh, a brother, he had a weakness in his body. He didn't have control over his muscles, his, 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 uh, his, his movement and his function. Uh, some suggest that he might have scoliosis or MS. But anyway, he could not get himself on his own power into the pool. And so here it is that the Bible tells us in verse 3 that there is a whole bunch of folk there. And all of them are dealing with a problem. The scripture says there's sick folk there, there's blind folk there, there's lame folk there, and all of them were waiting at, on verse 3 for the water to move. Then the text goes on to tell us that there is a man who has been coming to that place for 38 years. You would have thought that after 38 years and nothing has changed in his life that he would stop coming. You would think that after 38 years struggling with his weakness that he had given up hope. But there had to be, by, uh, Brother Tommy, something extraordinary that was happening at the pool of Bethesda because he would find himself going back to the pool of Bethesda from time to time, hoping that today when I leave the pool of Bethesda that somehow my life is going to change and be different. Listen, church, there are folk who have been showing up here Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, hoping that this is the day that my life is going to change, and yet they leave here the same way they came. But they keep coming back, brother. They keep coming back because they believe somehow on one day something's going to happen that my life is going to change. And so here it is. The man is lying there, verse 6, and Jesus sees him. And watch what the scripture text says in verse 6. <laughs> he said, he knew that the man had already been in that condition for a long time. Oh, that's good news. <laughs> See, sir, y'all don't know when to shout. Listen, Jesus, whatever you're going through, Whatever you've been struggling with, whatever you've been dealing with, whatever your weakness is, Jesus knows all about it. Amen. See, come on now. Listen, brother, you ain't got to stay that way. <laughs> Listen, boy, oh Lord, y'all gonna be blessed. Listen, so here it is at the pool of Bethesda. The man has been coming for 38 years, struggling with his weakness. And all of a sudden, he doesn't know it yet, but his life is about to change. Why? Because the great I am has now showed up at the pool of Bethesda. 
The rose of Sharon has now showed up at the pool of Bethesda. The wheel in the middle of a wheel has showed up at the pool of Bethesda. Jehovah Jireh has showed up at the pool of Bethesda. Jehovah Rapha has showed up at the pool of Bethesda. And the man don't know it yet, but his life is getting ready to make a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some folk who've been coming here Sunday after Sunday, and you didn't know it. But today is the day that your life is going to change. Uh, because God has showed up in the house this morning, and he's asking you the same question he's asked this man at the pool of Bethesda. Listen, church, he says, do you want to be made well? Brother, he asked a man who had been struggling with a weakness for 30, 80 years if he wanted to be better. How many of you know that might seem like a strange question to ask the man? But listen, Jesus has never asked a foolish question in his life. So there's a reason why Jesus asked this man this question. Listen, in John chapter 2, verse 25, it says this. There was no need to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. So he didn't ask the question that he might gain some insights. He asked the question because now the man doesn't know it, Brother Tommy, but see, divine sovereignty is, is now showing up and dealing with human responsibility. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Divine sovereignty has just showed up. Just ask you a question. If you would be made well, and he's waiting on your response. See, God will never violate our own will. See, God doesn't need our help, but he needs our cooperation. The man had a choice, brother, at the pool of Bethesda. Divine sovereignty had showed up on the scene, but he had some human responsibility to answer the question. See, listen, Jesus had many encounters with folks on mats in his ministry. You will remember in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Jesus was in Capernaum, and he was at a house, and he was preaching, and a revival broke out. And the folk, the church was, the people were packed in the house and outside of the house, and there was no room, and nobody had the ability to get to Jesus. And all of a sudden, four men show up carrying their paralyzed friend on a mat. They climb up on the roof, begin to dismantle the roof, and to lower their friend at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, watch this in verse 5 of the text, says this, seeing their faith, he says to the paralyzed man, my child, 
your sins are forgiven, stand up and pick up your mat and walk and go home. What's he talking about that for, preacher? Because there are some obvious differences between the man at the pool of Bethesda and the man that was dropped at Jesus' feet. And we need to know the difference because it's going to be important. So here, the similarities are that both men were paralyzed and held by a mat. That each man did not have the ability to control their own destiny. The man on the roof knew that Jesus was the son of God and possessed the power to heal him and to make him whole. The, pool, the man at the pool of Bethesda had no idea who Jesus was. See, that's good news, brother, because you know why? Because there are some of us who have been in the faith, who have been struggling with weaknesses, and we know Jesus has the power to heal and change our, our situation. And there are some folk who are unsaved, who don't know Jesus and doesn't know that he has the ability to change their life. And isn't it good news that you don't have to know the exegesis of the scriptures and memorize verse, chapters, and books of the Bible, and you can still be made well? The man on the roof had friends who were willing to help. The man at the pool of Bethesda had no help. And so, here it is. The man at the pool of Bethesda is now standing in the presence of Jesus. And he's unaware that Jesus is able to stabilize his life and be a constant source of strength and healing. He didn't know that Jesus was there that could give him life and life in abundance, but not only life on this side, but eternal life. And so the question was intended to reveal what was in the man's heart. Jesus needed to know if this man, like the man who was lowered down on the mat, was willing to participate in the process. Jesus doesn't need our help, but he needs our cooperation. So here it is, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this blew my mind, Brother Steve. When I thought about this, I said, Jesus showed up at the pool of Bethesda, and the scripture tells us that there were a lot of folk there, like this man who was waiting for healing. But Jesus bypassed all these folk to make it to this one man. The scriptures doesn't tell us why. But when I let my glorified imagination run for just a little while, and I do have imagination, Sister Stacy, and I see Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, and there's a sick person that Jesus looks at and shakes his head and keeps moving. He comes over to a paralyzed man and he looks at him and he shakes his head and keeps moving. He comes over to a blind man and says, and keeps moving. 
Why? Because Jesus was going to the one heart in who he knew was ready to respond to his question. He said, he knew, right? The scripture said, everything about the man. He wanted to know if he was willing to participate in the process. And he knew what was in the man's heart. God will never violate our will because you can't help nobody who ain't willing to help themselves. Can I get some help in here? See, Jesus could have spoke a word and everybody there could have been healed. Jesus could have went over and stuck his finger in the pool of Bethesda and everybody could have jumped in the water and be made whole. But that ain't what he did. It's up to us as individuals to respond to the call of God. He's calling. The invitation was open for the lame, the blind, the paralyzed, but the response would be up to them. And so here it is. He begins to talk to the man. And the man somehow must have believed in the early legend. Because when Jesus asked him, was he ready to be made whole, you would have thought that Jesus would have got an enthusiastic, yeah, I sure do. That's why I've been coming here off and on for so long. But that ain't what the man did. He said, yeah, yes, sir. But I don't have anybody to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. He says that when I began to try to make it to the water, somebody steps in before me. See, perhaps this man had grown accustomed to his disability and preferred it over the pain and the terror of the unknown. Hmm. Look, this man was paralyzed in his, in his will as much as he was in his body. And so Jesus has a spiritual lesson in mind for this man and for us as well. So watch this. Instead of Jesus giving the man a hand into the pool, <laughs> Jesus gave him an opportunity for an immediate and a complete healing. <laughs> and the man who had a weakness in his body, unable to make it to the pool of Bethesda, Jesus says to him, pick up your bed and walk. Uh, and in that statement, he really tells us the extent of the man's healing. The man not only recovered his strength and his muscular tone, but he was able to gain victory over his weakness. And Jesus said, pick up that thing that's been holding you captive. And he's, the man began to roll up the mat. And he placed it under his arm because now he's have authority over the situation that had authority over him. He had a complete healing, not only in his muscles, not only in his body, but his spirit man was made whole. Hallelujah. How gracious is our God. 
How great is his power? How willing is he to reveal his, his, his healing power to us if we just accept the invitation? Will you be made well? I know there are many folks here this morning who want to be healed. <laughs> but just as there's many folks here who want to be healed, there are folks who don't want to receive divine help yet. They don't want help in their problems. They don't want help out of their weakness. In fact, they love their weaknesses. They love their helplessness. I've seen folk on the road to deliverance, and the closer they got to deliverance, they turned the other way and run. They didn't want the responsibility. And that how now my life's going to have to be different. And here's this man. And the Lord says to him, do you want to be saved right now? Do you want to be healed? You have to answer the question. See, some folk will say, not yet. Some folk will say, no. Some folk will say, I'm not there yet. And listen, you can rest assured of this, that Jesus will look at you and go and find a heart who is ready to receive him. Because like I said earlier, you can't help somebody who don't want to help themselves. There's one thing that is totally true this morning. Our Lord and Savior is moving amongst us right now. And he is asking the question, will you be made well? And he will say nothing to those who are not ready yet. Perhaps you may not have reached the end and there's the place of this man at the pool of Bethesda. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to come alongside of you and help you. Maybe you're waiting for the right moment in the service when it's stirred with electricity and excitement. Maybe somebody here might be waiting for somebody uh, to finish a prison sentence. So when they get out of jail, my life can start over. Maybe that's somebody in here said, I, all I need is a husband and a wife and then maybe I can start my life. Some folks are saying, maybe if I could just eliminate some of this debt, my life can change. All Jesus is saying, if you want to be made well, I'm here. I'm here. You can give up all of your human efforts to solve your own problems. You know what's so funny? When you extend an invitation and you say stuff like I just said, some folk be like, folk in here say, but there is always somebody who is in the crowd who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Always. But the question remains, are you willing to respond and say yes. 
doors of the church are open. The invitation has been extended. You can come to this altar and say to Jesus, yes, I'm ready to be healed. I'm tired. I spent all the human energy I got I ain't seen nothing change. Believe me, your weakness, your struggle, that thing that you're fighting with, God will do just like the man at the pool of Bethesda. You can take that weakness (laughs) and roll it up (laughs) and put it under your arm and start walking. (laughs) A new life a new path as the band comes. Will you make that choice this morning? Will you come and give that thing to Jesus? That thing you've been struggling with? You've been carrying in your body, in your mind, and in your life.